0: In this podcast, we have conversations about personal experiences with loss, grief, and unexplained spiritual encounters.
1: Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty.
0: Welcome everyone. Today, we want
1: to talk about the loss of a parent due to a long-term illness. If you have experienced this, or if you currently have a parent battling a long-term illness, I can relate as this is how I lost my mother. And Trisha,
0: you did mention that the loss of your mother in the first podcast we did due to a long-term illness My mother's been battling dementia for a few years now. She even had a fall this weekend, coincidentally, that has sent her to the hospital. So I feel like I am just now starting a journey with my mom's health that could be a long-term are you up for talking more about your
1: experience and, and like when you say long term, what exactly do you mean? Well, yes, I want to share my experience. This can help anybody that might be going through it like yourself now just starting. For me, it started when I was in elementary school, I can say as probably about seven or eight years old, not totally sure. Oh, wow. That's young. Yes. What started was she was a smoker. And I always was trying to make her stop smoking at that age. I don't know why I had that intuition to just take those cigarettes and flush them down the toilet.
0: Wait, at seven years old, you took your mom's cigarettes and
1: you flushed them down the toilet? Yes. Oh, go you. Go Trisha. I don't like smoking. And to this day, I don't like the smell of it. Probably now even more because I saw what it did to my mom. Right. When you were seven and she was smoking, was
0: she... Was it just that she was smoking and your seven-year-old self knew that was bad for her
1: or did she appear to you to be sick? It was just me not liking the smoking and I knew it wasn't healthy. Um, We learned that in school. I mean, so that's why I would do that. And I just begged her profusely all the time. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to get sick because it's even more prevalent on the commercials we see now, but Back then there was occasional commercials of what it does to you and your lungs. So I would see that and be scared.
0: At that age, you just didn't want your mom to die from smoking, right? Is that what you were thinking?
1: Exactly. I I was like, I'm too young for her to to die. I don't want to grow up without my mom. So I was doing anything that I could to prevent her from smoking, hide the cigarettes, flush them down the toilet, anything to get it away from her. How would she react when you did that? Did she get mad? Was she, what did she do? At first she was mad to be honest with you. I don't remember exactly what she did because it was so long ago. (laughs) Right. But I know she wasn't very happy with me, (laughs) (laughs) right? They were expensive. They're always been expensive, but they were expensive and she didn't want to waste it. She's the one that doesn't like to waste anything. Did it ever work? Did she ever stop because of what you were doing or for you? She actually did stop, but as she got older, she did get diagnosed with emphysema, which was also chronic bronchitis which then developed into COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, right? Wow, that can vary for different people, the COPD, some people can live a long life and just be on medication to help keep it in place and not get to the extreme. My mom was put on many medications. She was put on oxygen. So we would, she'd be having the oxygen, we had to have a whole oxygen machine in our house. And she would have this long cord <laughs> so she could go anywhere in the house with the oxygen.
0: So, how old were you, do you think, when she was diagnosed? for the first time that, you know, was something more serious than just being a smoker?
1: It was probably a few years after. So I'd probably be like my teens, somewhere early teens. She was diagnosed with that and had to be put on oxygen and that medication. And you would see so many medications. You'd be like, what's going on? Like, why are you taking so many medications? I was still young and trying to figure out what's going on. Like, I then, even then I was like, is she dying? Like in my head, I didn't know what was going on. All I saw was she was on oxygen. She was on all these medications, inhalers, pills, you know, just anything to help keep her lungs healthy. She would even have to go, if she did decide to go out, she would have to carry a tank that was probably, I would say like a foot or a little bit more than a foot long. And it was a metal and it was heavy. And full of oxygen. And so she would have to take it everywhere she went. She would also have to make sure she had extra just in case that oxygen ran out because if you run out, it just then makes it harder for her to breathe throughout that day or wherever we are going. So I have a question then as a
0: teen and teenagers get a little difficult, they get sensitive, they get embarrassed. Were you, Did was she ever around friends of yours? How did you feel? Did you
1: hide her? Were you embarrassed? Tell me what that teenage mind was thinking. For me, I love my mom so much that I, I didn't care what people were saying. She was my mom. I mean, she was older when she had me and I would be proud of saying that's my mom. It was hard for people when I, we went out to restaurants and kids would be pointing going, what is that? Why is she on that? You know, but my mom was good about that. If they stopped and looked and asked or even were like kind of looking at her like, What is that? She would explain what happened so that they wouldn't be scared. That's really sweet. So despite the
0: concern you had with her smoking at such an early age and throwing away her cigarettes and that kind of stuff,
1: you were very close to your mom. She was a good mom. She loved you. Yeah, we were half the time inseparable because being a dancer, you have to go away so many times with for conventions, dance competitions, performances. And she would have to come with me because there had to be an adult and she would be the one coming with me. So we would go together or even like school shopping. It would be her and I all the time. We'd make dates. Basically, let's go eat together for either breakfast or dinner or something like that. Like even sometimes before school, we would go to a fast food restaurant every so often together before school. We were very close. She was my best friend, basically. And... I loved her with all my heart. She was meant to be my mom. There's no words that I can describe that I can't say, but I loved her with everything that I had.
0: That's really special. So, and and that's good to hear, you know, and those of us who I'm close to my mom too. And, you know, I feel for people who don't feel they had a mother or who weren't close to their mother, but you were. So this must have, I would think, make it even harder when you were seeing her get sick? What
1: what was that like seeing her getting diagnosed or being ill? Or that was harder as the years went on, because she had to go in and out of the hospital every so often. And sometimes there were close calls, I would be in the hall, like the hospital hall room with my brother crying, like on his shoulder going, is she gonna make it and he was holding me. was giving me a hug, trying to comfort me, trying to be strong. And I think that was the first time I realized that again, she could, this could be the last time that I would see her. And how old were you on that first time that you had, you felt like you had a close call with losing her. Do you think? I would say high school. So probably like later teens on this one, one of the later times that we were, I was thinking this was going to be the last time I went to her hospital room and she always told me that she was going to give me her wedding band that she wears. She wore all the time. She started taking it off because she thought even this was her last moment in wow. this world right now. And I told her, no, I don't want it right now. You were not ready for her to go. You were not giving her permission. I was not letting her go. And also It showed me, too, when I did go into that room, I saw my mom and my dad, and my dad was holding her hand, and that was just a memory that I will never forget, because I knew they loved each other, and they were just not very public or, like, in front of the children, like, lovey-dovey, so I never really saw that much. I knew they, like I said, they loved each other. I never saw them like actually hold each other's hands and like be there for one another on that way to see my dad just holding her hand like that. It just it made it like, oh, my my heart sink. It was beautiful, but my heart was sinking because I think he was thinking this was probably the day as well. And that was, you're talking about when you
0: were in high school or later in high school? Yes. So this continued for you for a long time with her going in and out of the hospital, right? Yes. Were you in the same town or state? How involved were you with her, her hospital care? I'm just curious.
1: I was still in the state of California, I live like in the valley, I just I didn't live that far away from I'm probably 10, 15 minutes away, depending on where I was at the time, I would go to the hospital whenever I could after even after high school, when I started working, I would as soon as I got off work, I would go to the hospital to visit even if it was for 10, 15 minutes, I would make sure I could go visit her at least once a day.
0: So when you, as at that age, and then you're moving away from home and you're becoming a young adult and you're trying to move on with your own life, how much do you think of your mom's health and and status of not knowing if she was gonna die or not? Do you think, got in the way of your everyday life? Is it something that you were able to separate from? Were you always thinking about it? Do you think it slowed you down any of that kind of stuff? I'm just thinking back in your, you know, early 20 year old self or young adult trying to get on your own, what that must've been like for you.
1: It, It was hard for me. I did become depressed. I didn't realize I was depressed until somebody pointed it out to me. They're like, you're not going out as much anymore, or you're not being very social like you usually are. Because we would go out and hang out, go to the movies, go to dinner with friends. It slowed down as my mom got progressively worse. Because even when she wasn't in the hospital, I always had that routine. When I did get older after work, I would make sure I made that phone call. I would make a phone call every day as I was driving home from work. I'm so thankful that we had cell phones <laughs> at that time.
0: Right, right. So you could call from your car. Yeah. So I
1: could call (laughs) and talk to her while I was driving. So I still had that time with her, even if I didn't couldn't go to the house or wherever she was. I make sure I had that phone call. That was one thing that was one of the hardest things for me to put together because when it was close to the time of her passing. I did try calling her like probably three days before um, she did pass away and she wasn't there. She was talking, but she did not make sense whatsoever. So it was hard for me to hear that. I'm like, are you okay? Cause it was just not making sense to me. And I wasn't putting two to do together at that time. Like, oh, she, this was near the end. I was just, oh, she's tired or, you know, putting it. In that sense,
0: that's interesting. That's what I was going to ask you is looking back on it now, if you feel like there were any signs when, you know, compared to when you thought you were going to lose her and you were a teenager to the actual few days before she died, do you think there was any signs or did your family or even she knew that, okay, now
1: this is going to be it? Like I said, I didn't realize when I did call that time and she wasn't making sense that that could be near the end, because sometimes I know from reading different things that they start not making complete sense, sense them just say different words of things that they want people to know. And I think that's what she was trying to do. And I think she might've been talking like we've talked before. She might've been talking to maybe another spirit as she was in that stage. And talking to them and that made sense to them, but not make sense to us.
0: That's interesting. You say that now, because I know this is what we focus on, we're thinking about, but back then, did anyone in your family or you get the idea that she was seeing anyone, loved ones that had already passed on or?
1: No, because I, I wasn't interested like who I am now in that afterlife. But as I got older and got more interested in all that and healing and trying to help people and looking, researching on our stuff that we've been doing, realizing, you know what, that was her on the last stage before she passed. So it makes more sense to you now looking back, doesn't it? Yes, it was probably a good thing. She might have been talking to her mom, you know, because she lost her mom, she lost her dad as well. I mean, so she's was probably talking to her parents, Or even my dad's parents, you know, you never know who they're talking to. And that's something
0: it's interesting. I just want to pause and think about that for a moment, because there's a lot of people when who and maybe people right now who are dealing with a family member who's close to the end and not to just jump and think they're just crazy or rambling. They actually might be seeing and experiencing or sensing something beyond themselves that don't just automatically jump to thinking they've lost their mind and they're losing it. They might actually be seeing spirits or loved ones that have crossed over that are getting ready and preparing for them to cross over as well. And that's actually a beautiful thing.
1: Right. Exactly. And I wish I knew that at that time, it would have been a little bit easier for me to, okay, I knew always there was, it was something to happen because she was sick. I just didn't know when. And if I knew that sign, that might have helped me prepare myself and my emotions for when it did happen. Because on November fifteenth, 2012, I was working, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. And my sister called me and normally she doesn't call me during business hours at all. And I knew something was up. I was like, my sister never calls me during work. I better answer this phone call. I answered and she goes, tells me, oh, you should call me after work. And I was like, I could hear in her voice that something was wrong. And I was like, no, you need to tell me right now what's going on because I just want to know because I hear it. I can hear it in your voice, what is happening. And my sister said, it looks like It's about time for her to go. And if you want to come and say your last goodbyes, you can. Or if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to come. It's up to you. And what did you decide? I actually, right after that phone call, I hung up, went to my office manager and said, I don't think my mom's going to make it. I need to go. And then I started bawling my eyes out. I normally don't cry at work she was a very religious person. So she was just like, trying to calm me down a little bit so I can go and drive and get where I need to go. Um, she was a very comforting person. And I was blessed to have her at that moment. Because if I didn't, I would have probably gotten hysterical. That's really good that you had a boss
0: that allowed that. And that's what I was going to ask you was to reflect on that moment of being
1: in an office and getting a call like that, I think I would lose it too. Well, at first, at that point in time, I was up front at the front desk reception area. And it was near the end of the day. At that time, people are coming and going. So I was trying to keep it cool, not show emotions. I was just sitting there straight face just so I was there. As soon as that clock hit quit time for the front desk, I hit ended the phone calls. And then just went straight to her and told her what ha- was happening and said that I might not be here tomorrow because of what the situation is. Like I said, she was comforting me and she goes, don't even worry about it. Go take care of what you need to take care of. You can come back whenever you need to come back. That's a good
0: boss. And then hopefully not everyone has that opportunity or luxury to be able to be told to do what they need to do to take care of themselves and their family. So that's really nice.
1: Yeah, she was great. I loved her to death. Yeah, she had her moments with me, but like any other manager of an office, you do. But we got along well because we were in administration together. So we were a team as well as she was my one of my bosses. We had a great connection. That's really good. So what did you do when you left work? I went home, grabbed my dogs, And drove to the house just so I could be with her. At that point, she basically was not conscious. She wasn't talking. She was just where her body was still here, but her mind wasn't. Right. So I was talking to her, letting her know it was okay. And then I just sat in the chair beside her for a couple hours. It finally got to me and I was like, okay, I got to go. So I went home. And I did go home and cry. I mean, who wouldn't at that point usually? Right. Of course. Of course.
0: I think I would even have a hard time driving. I think I and leaving. But back to when you're sitting with your mom, was she on hospice at
1: that time? We had nurses because she was always, she had medical care before she would have nurses come in at least two to three times a week to check in on her because she couldn't actually go to the doctor's. And she was home at her house? Yes. Okay. She didn't want to die in a hospital. Right. So we knew her wishes on that. She didn't want to be resuscitated. She just wanted to go peacefully at home. So at this time, they were probably noticing she had stopped eating.
0: She was not conscious. She was. And so they they had the the clear cut signs they knew. And you came to be with her. As you sat next to her and you talked to her, Was there any physical responses to, I know you said she couldn't talk, but do you feel like physically she responded in any way to
1: show that she knew you were there? I did not get any like clear signs that she was hearing me, but from the different sciences that I've read on, I know they could hear you. Yeah. Even though they can't respond, they can hear you and know what you're saying is, And she can understand. I just was thankful that she could understand what I was saying.
0: Hearing is the, I know they say the last thing to go, like you're saying. And when I've had surgery and I've come out of surgery, I've experienced the hearing everything around me first and not being able to respond, being completely paralyzed. It's good to point out a couple of things for people who are going through this is to believe that that loved one hears you and talk to them. And like you said, you said you were telling her and giving her permission
1: that it was okay. Were you kind of giving her permission to cross over? Yes, I was telling her, I'm good. You raised me to be independent and a strong woman. I have my own apartment. I have a great job. There's nothing to worry about. I have family, the rest of the family here to help me. If I do need help, as well as saying, I will help take care of dad and make sure he's good. I mean, so just all those little different things that she could hear. That's really important. And I'm so glad
0: you did that. And you bring that up because I think that is important for everyone to know that when your loved one is in that state, just believe they can hear you, let them know they're not alone, that they're loved and that you're okay. So they can let go. Because we have heard stories of people that are hanging on, even though they can't do anything or show anything or even be conscious or aware, they're probably hanging on because they can't let go of their loved ones that are there. And it helps to tell them as hard as it is that it's okay to, for them to cross
1: over. Exactly. And this was the day before she did pass away. Wow. So the next day, which is the day she passed away on November sixteenth, 2012, I did go back and I brought the dogs with me. I had two at the time. And my mom loved both those dogs to death. She wouldn't have it any other way to have them there with her as well. And again, that's when I was also telling her again, it's okay. Don't worry. And I just said, you taught me well, basically. And she, a few, like I was there for a few hours, like a couple hours. And I sat my one dog, my older dog, Tito, on the bed with her. I was holding my other one in my hand because she was a toy Yorkie. So she was a little tiny baby. And all of a sudden, I heard this weirdest noise that came out of Tito's mouth. I've never heard, heard him say that like that yap or that bark before, like he did. And I was like, wait, did some, did she just pass away at that moment? I checked. That's when she moved on to the next stage and she passed away. We've heard that the animals are sensitive to that.
0: And so you saw this, or you witnessed this with your dog there. And it's very likely that at the moment your mom passed away, your dog had yelped or made a sound that you had never heard him make before.
1: Yeah. It was so interesting. Cause I was like, what, what was that sound? Like it was just the awkward, weird sound that I've never heard him do. And I never even heard him after that, do that same sound.
0: That's really interesting.
1: So I knew that was the moment that she did go on and Once I checked to make sure that she had no pulse, no like anything left, the whole family was there except for my oldest brother, because he lives in another state. My sister was in the next room and I went over to her and I said, I think she just passed. She's like, okay. She came in. She was very strong. She was a, she's a strong woman. She came in, she did the text that the nurses told her to do to make sure it was that she did really pass away. And she did. And so she called the nurse and told them and the nurse came right over. She did what she had to do. She called the mortuary, I believe it was. They came over that night too. In that moment, also, I told her, I can't tell dad. I couldn't tell my dad at all. It was too heart wrenching to tell. Where was he at the moment that she passed? He was in the family room. He was sitting, watching TV, just trying to relax. He was holding my best friend's dog at the moment because I had her with me as well as babysitting her dog, which helped him relax, I think, as well. So, can I ask you
0: something that I've heard before and I have not seen this for myself, but people have said that the body itself, when the spirit leaves appears different from when the spirit was in the body before they passed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did your mom look different, even though she hadn't been moving? Did she look different before she passed as to after she had passed?
1: I believe so. I believe I did notice a little bit of a change. I just don't know what it was. I just knew there was something different about it. I didn't know if the color because of the circulation was not circulating. So I was just maybe the color is changing her body at that moment, because it's not keeping her warm anymore. So I didn't know any of that, as well as in the last moment, right after she did pass away, I had to give her one last kiss on the head, I gave her a kiss on the forehead saying, I love you. And thank you for what you did for me. And then I walked out and went into the front of our house. I went outside because I was like, I need to get air. Now, wait, you passed your dad without telling him? Well, he was in another room. So he wasn't actually really passing him at that moment. And plus, I believe my sister already told, told him what had happened at that moment.
0: Because you had said to your sister, you can't tell him. And
1: then you walked out and let her go. Tell him right. I actually saw her tell him because I was still down close to where my mom was in her room, and you could see him from that down that hallway, and you could see just like a difference in because I could only see the side of his face. You could see the difference, right? He he just lost the love of his life, right? And I believe he was in shock because he wasn't really saying much of anything. At that moment with that again i had to that's when i went out front started calling bawling my eyes out and then i all my best friends were out of town at the time so i had no one there to be with me in that moment like a best friend all i could do is talk to them over the phone as i was bawling my eyes out but um what was also amazing that i loved is close to when the mortuary came to go pick up my mom's body my sister told all of us you need to go outside in the backyard i don't want anybody to see this i don't want anybody to see her in that way i don't want that to be the last sight that you see so we all went into the backyard it was just sitting there it was overcast and it started drizzling And I was like, these are tears from heaven. They're telling me something. It was a sign for me, a beautiful sign. And I was just in awe that I just felt good in that moment. My heart was just, I know she's in heaven because these are tears from heaven coming down right now. And after she left, my sister had taken off her wedding band and handed it to me. And I was just like, this is real. This is real. This is actually happening. Like it was giving me another, wow, this actually did just happen. She is gone.
0: That's the hardest thing I think to wrap your head around is the reality that someone's gone and what that means for you and your life and the changes. And that's hard. So going on for this, even though you knew she was ill and it was building up
1: to that, that doesn't lessen the pain of the loss not at all. And you would think because you knew they were sick, you knew something was going to happen to them. And I thought, Oh, I'll be fine. Because I know it's okay. I know what she's been dealing with. And I don't want her to be in pain anymore. Right. So in one sense, there's a relief, she's
0: gone from her pain. While in the other sense, It's more of the, I don't mean any disrespect, but I refer to it as the selfishness that we have in wanting someone in our lives.
1: Yeah, I did feel that way. It's like, why, why did you go? I'm too young to have lost my mom. I mean, those different things just kept on going on in my head. And I just had to tell myself, you know what, she's no longer in pain. She did what she was supposed to do while she was here. She was a good mom, good wife good friend. She was good to the world. She would always help out other people when they needed it. She did her purpose. And her last baby was out and was doing her thing. And that was you. Yeah, that was me. I was the baby. So this was in 2012.
0: How was your healing and how would you say you
1: dealt with it? I dealt with it in a couple ways one, a friend of mine that was also staying at my best friend's house. And he said, let me show you the Bible. Let me show you some verses that help me deal with losses and the ones that I go to that get me in a better spirit.
0: But you weren't, I mean, you were raised much in the church prior to this, or I mean, you talk some now Bible and scripture and church, but this, but that's been since your, you lost your mom,
1: right? Yes. I wasn't a a church goer or anything like that. I mean, I believed, but I wasn't the one that would go every Sunday, but he helped me see that light and show me that life goes on and he's here for you. That was a huge thing for me because from there I started reading the Bible. He actually gave me his to hold on to until I bought my own. So I had something with me. He goes, I don't want to leave you without a Bible in your hand. You need something to hold you, hold you down, and help you get through this. If it's not a somebody that you can talk to, it's somebody that's always there with you that you can talk to, and you can find that answer in the Bible. So were you also were you
0: telling people, the people around you? Did they know you were having
1: a hard time dealing with it, or did you hide it? I was trying to be that strong one. I only cried when I was alone. I did not cry in front of anybody else. I didn't want them to think I was hurting or getting depressed. I kept on telling people I'm good. There's nothing to worry about. They kept on looking at me going, there's something wrong. You need to talk to me. And I wasn't opening up to them. After a while, I did have a breakdown. And with that breakdown, I realized my friends were right. I need to go talk to somebody to help me walk through this and help me be okay with it.
0: How long after would you say just to give us an idea as you know, timeline through this process,
1: probably about six months or more. Okay. Before I actually told myself, I need to go talk to somebody. At that time, I was embarrassed to go to a therapist. So you were trying to hold it
0: together. You did have a friend give you a great tool for for prayer and a Bible. And where did that fall in before your breakdown in those six months? That was
1: like the next day after my mom passed away. Oh, right away. So the Bible part. Yeah, that's when he gave me. The Bible was like the next day Okay, Um, he was out of town and just came back into town that next day. So I had him at that point. And then just down the road, weeks and months later, my friends were kept on telling me they would come over to my house and say, you want to talk? And I would be like, nope. Just like, no, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I'm good. Just kept on doing that right. for months. And then at the six months, you were still trying to handle it yourself. You weren't
0: talking with anyone, you were reading your Bible. But at six months is when you describe what you mean by breakdown. What happened?
1: Well, it was a really odd breakdown. I was in the kitchen, I was trying to make dinner, I was trying to open a can of tuna. <laughs> and the tuna can would not open the can opener would not work. In that moment, I just threw the can and the can opener to the floor. And then I dropped to the floor bawling my head out, going, Oh, my gosh, I need help. And my dogs came running to me licking me trying to make me feel better. It was just in that moment. And then that next day, I started looking for therapists because I needed something sooner than later. Because if I didn't have that therapist, I don't know if I would have made it through. So I was very thankful for those friends that kept on being there for me and saying you need help, even though I was trying to be like, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. But they helped me get through that that process and get to that next step of healing for my mom.
0: You know, I'd like to first point out that one of the things you and I believe strongly for anyone listening is that there is no typical timeline. You know, anyone who's grieving, don't think you have to measure up to either Trisha's timeline or someone else's timeline. But I do want to ask you, where do you feel once you, you know, at that six months for you and your experience, how long before you felt a new release or
1: relief or moving on to healing? I believe it was more than a year. So that six months and then more than a year after that. So I would say it took like a few years to actually really get through it. The therapist gave me tools to work with to help me through it. Each step she gave me and everything she taught me to do and to release everything that I needed to release was happening. And not only did I do one-on-one, I did group therapy, which in the end, I realized the group therapy is probably what helped me the most to hear other people's stories of what they're going through, even if it wasn't a loss of a loved one, it was something else that they were dealing with, but they were working through it. And there's people out there that are there to help and want to help. I'm just so grateful for for my therapist and like the group that I was in to help me work through this. I never expected to be crying, even in a therapist office, just bawling, even in front of those people, like in the groups, they don't know you. So you should feel okay. But you're like, I don't know them and I don't want them. to (laughs) Right, right, right. Well,
0: I think the first year in any loss is key because you're going through those first holidays and seasons that you used to have that person with you. And, and so even if someone thinks they're over something, some kind of loss until right. they've really cycled through 12 months and hit yeah. every possible event that had to
1: do with that person or that place or that loss. It's exactly because November 16th, it's only a few days. Next is my birthday, which is November 21st. So what hit the first thing was my birthday. And to celebrate my birthday without my mom was like, wow, it was hard. That's a hard birthday. Definitely. It was a hard birthday. So we, my first, it was birthday and then Thanksgiving. So they, all the, the major holidays were right there. Were you able to, and that's interesting.
0: You say it's near Thanksgiving. Were you able to still feel thankful? Or I'm curious if you had a little bit of, anger and how that holiday of Thanksgiving
1: played into being that you just lost your mom. I just didn't know how it was going to play out because my mom was the one always in charge of the holidays, making sure the, all the plans on which house we're going to, uh, to who's making what. And, and for the birthday, it was, where are we going to go? I don't want to go to my mom's favorite restaurant. I don't, cause that will remind me of things. So it was just hard because she was in charge of everything. So to have that moment going, what am I going to do for Thanksgiving? My dad's like, I don't care. I don't want to do anything. And everybody was like, I don't know. Because then my sister went and her husband's family for Thanksgiving and did it there. So it was uh, just me and my my brother and my dad. What we did is because no one wanted to cook because it was just three of us. (laughs) At that point, we went out to eat for Thanksgiving. So it wasn't a normal Thanksgiving for us at all. That's what I think. One of the the things I've heard,
0: and I recommend for people is if you're spending a first holiday without a loved one, don't try to recreate it like it was with them, because you're just going to be reminded that they're not there, but to do something different. And that is something you did.
1: So you think that is good advice? I think so, at least for the first one, because then after the first one, then you can go and think, okay, now I can move on. I'll take over my that role now and help create a new way of doing the holidays for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we went out and we had dinner out to eat. That way we didn't have to make five different meals. And for Christmas, it was a little bit harder. But I believe that year, my nephew and I decided to make our traditional dinner that we would always have dinner or breakfast, it would switch Every year, so it'd either be breakfast or dinner, and it was evil skivers, which is an amazing breakfast that my mom made every year and and it's a hard one to deal with so me and my nephew had the task of doing all that because no one else wanted to deal with with it and then I was glad that he he loves to cook, so I had that help of somebody else that loved to cook, and we made that meal to be a special meal that we didn't think we'd ever have again. I was so happy in that day too, because we had that meal that my mom made every Christmas. So what would you
0: recommend, you know, going through this on your own? What do you think looking back on your experience and working through that grief, you recommend to people who are going through this first year after maybe losing them last year, whether it was COVID or something else, uh, what do you think? is really important for people who are hurting
1: to think about or to do first to know it's okay not to be okay. Let yourself grieve, let yourself heal. Don't be embarrassed to cry. We all have emotions. We all need to let it go. So if you need to let it go, let it go. If you need to step out for a moment, you say you're at work, something reminded you of that person in that first year go take that break and cry if you need to go scream if you need to whatever it is that you need to help you work through this healing process. Everybody's different. Like me, I thought I needed to be alone, which in actuality, I needed people there with me all the time to help me know that I needed help, which I was glad to have. I think that's great advice
0: too is seeking out even if it's not a one-on-one counselor to try to find a group counselor and I believe that there are group and grief therapy sessions that are available through even funeral homes and that's something that we're going to look into and contact and and talk to people about. But I think that's really important and it sounds great that you went to a therapist you
1: also joined a, a group, so, you know, a support group. And I think that's great. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed to go to a therapist. I mean, I even hid it from my family that I was seeing a therapist, but in all actuality, I shouldn't have cared because I was just helping me work through everything. They figured it out a while uh, into it, but they figured it out after they saw a bill from that came into,
0: to the house. Well, if you live in LA, everybody has a therapist, whether they have a problem or not, it's okay. But (laughs) you
1: just, in that moment, you're like, you don't want to show your weaknesses. Right. Right. You think it's a weakness, right? Right. You want to be strong, not just for yourself, but you want to be strong for that family, your family in that moment. And these days too, there's now there's podcasts and it's
0: looking for topics and things that could help you with what you're going through, hearing other people's stories, hearing your story today is something that can help someone else through their journey to know there's nothing wrong with them. They're okay. They need to grieve no matter how long or how short or how oddly we're all different. We had different, unique relationships with our parents different circumstances to how they died, where you are in your mind and everyone needs to be okay and forgive themselves and be easy on
1: themselves. Not afraid to, to ask for help. Exactly. And little things that you might not think will help you. will. I was a professional dancer hearing different songs, helped me work through this as well. So find that little niche that will help you release all of that grief that's inside you, grief will never go away completely. It will always be with you because you love that loved one so much. You will never forget them. You'll have their memories. You might have those visitation dreams. So you have these different things that will help you through as well as the day that we did put my mom to rest again, that day it was misting. Oh, yeah. So it was misting on the day that my mom passed. Right. And it was misting on the day that we put her to rest. Anytime that it missed, it makes me feel good. Because then I was like, those are tears from heaven. And she's reaching out to me or, you know, I have little things. I have it not just for her. I have it for my dad and my mom. One thing that I did put together is my mom loved butterflies. And I, for some reason, I picked a yellow butterfly for her. And anytime that I see a yellow butterfly, I know she's there. She's there with me. She's trying to tell me something. I think those are really important signs. And I'm so
0: glad you're bringing that up because that's one of those things that some people have a hard time talking about, or they're afraid to talk about, but they're real. I don't think it's a coincidence or an accident that there was mist on the day she died. And during the service, that is in that means something to you. But more importantly, you recognized that. And when you recognize that I believe that our loved ones on the other side will then keep sending those messages because you're getting it. And the fact that you've identified with a butterfly, then she's going to know
1: that gets your attention and send that to you more. Exactly. And when I was dealing with with my one dog, my toy Yorkie, she had cancer, and I was dealing with that. And it was near the end for my, for her, I went to a park, just to walk around, just trying to figure out what I needed to do. And all of a sudden, I see this yellow butterfly just following me around and going in circles over me. And I'm like, Mom, what? (laughs) What are you trying to tell me? Is it I, she was, I think she was just telling me it's okay to let her go because it's better for her. That's beautiful. So it was like a great moment for me. So, and another thing I know is yellow is a rare butterfly. So if you see it yellow, it's rare. So it's a big thing. And I have for my dad, when I see an orange butterfly, cause again, those aren't out here in California as much, at least I don't see them as much where I'm at. So whenever I see a yellow butterfly, I know that's my mom. When I see an orange butterfly, I know that's my dad.
0: My aunt sees um, red cardinals, which remind her of my mama. And every time something important or crucial has happened or come up or she's thinking of her, a red cardinal lands on her windowsill and she'll text me sometimes it's two of them so she'll call them mr and mrs cardinal but those are the you know and those are special and people should really grasp on to those things and it's okay to to see those signs and believe in them because the love i think i really do believe our loved ones are trying to communicate with us and let us know that they're okay that they're there for you and those are really special, precious moments and signs that are wonderful.
1: Yeah, because that day in the park, I will never forget at all. Because she knew I was dealing with this. And she was my second pet that I that was mine, considered mine. Tito was my first pet. But I have didn't have her as long. And I didn't want to let her go because I didn't want to put her down. I've never had to make that decision. Because it would normally be your parents making that decision. Because it was a family pet, it was just amazing to know that she was there to comfort me and to help me make that decision. Always find something that will make you feel better, or just who cares what other people think of what you think when you think of your loved one that's passed. It could be a red rose. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is if if it helps you it's great. That's right. And that's all that matters and you don't have to tell people, just
0: acknowledge it, hold it in your heart if it especially if it brings you comfort and peace, don't question it, just allow it to come to you. Be open to it. And I think that's a beautiful message. None of this can take away someone's grief whatsoever, but knowing that other people are going through this or that there are signs and it's okay to see those and believe in those and hold those in your heart can at least lessen
1: the pain. Yes, most definitely. I want to thank God for giving me all these beautiful signs and letting me know she's okay. And she's still there for me. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, Trisha, I'm so glad
0: that you were able to talk about that with us today. That's very special and i am I'm sure I'm gonna have more to share as we do our podcast with the progression of my mom's illness and where that leads and I will have a uh, different grief to deal with on my own and I appreciate I know it's not easy to bring back those emotions and memories and make you think about them again so i I hope this has been helpful
1: as well, yeah, anytime I talk about it 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 helps so thank you listeners for listening. And I hope it helped at least one person out there. So I just want to say thank you again. And but we want to help you heal and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at trisha.misty.tm at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe and follow and share. Life
0: is a journey. It's full of ups and downs and know you are not alone and your loved ones will always be with you. Thank you for listening to Surviving Death and Dying. Until next time, it's never goodbye. It's see you next time because we believe life and love never dies.
1: I feel no pain. Just some pain running down my face separate ways We're not willing Play. to blame